Welcome to The Advance, a podcast on moving towards Christ-like maturity. This podcast takes time to look at how we can posture ourselves to grow in our walk with Christ. It would really help me out if you could share it with your friends and take some time to review it on whatever platform you are either viewing it or hearing it on. Thank you so much and be blessed today. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Advanced Podcast. My name is Donovan. I'm a pastor in Edmonton, Alberta. And it's such an honor that you've chosen to allow me to be part of your story in this time. And I hope that as you've been listening to these podcasts, you've been blessed. I hope that you've been putting into practice some of the things that we've been talking about and really seeing that God is uh, is at work and doing some amazing things. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently is uh, John chapter 15. And that passage is, uh, I think, really profound in this season. I think that passage is something that is really important for us to be um, taking the time to think about. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, as I think about that in this season, I think um, it's really important for us as followers of Jesus to be uh, abiding in Christ Jesus, to be posturing ourselves in such a way that we draw all of our life from Him. I'm going to be preaching in a few weeks on the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the things that uh, I look forward to sharing about is is talking about how how do we actually posture ourselves so that the fruit of the Spirit isn't something that we need to consciously be focusing on, as in when something comes up, we need to consciously think, oh, how can I react out of patience? How can I react out of love? How can I react out of kindness? Rather, my hope is that we can actually be so Christ-like that, that when we go through circumstances, fruit is the default response. Uh, I don't think an apple has to strain to be an apple. Uh, an apple simply is an apple because that's the type of tree that it is. It's receiving the nutrients that it needs and, and it's producing um, what it was meant to be. And so I think as followers of Jesus, we are called to abide in Christ. We are called to lay ourselves down at his feet. and. Um, and, and draw our strength, draw our life from him. Today, you're going to hear an awesome interview that I had with my friend Stephen Epp. He's a pastor at a small country church uh, near Edmonton, and uh, he has some incredible perspectives on God, incredible perspectives on uh, the scriptures and how we are formed and shaped by them. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about today before the interview with Stephen is uh, our attitude in how we're responding to all the things that we've been talking about. If you've been following this podcast from the beginning, you've already got six or seven really um, practical applications uh, each week or each podcast. I've been asking the interviewer, what's one thing that you want each person who's listening or watching to do? And they've given some amazing answers. And uh, hopefully you put a couple of those things into practice. But one of the things I think is a temptation. I know it's this is for me is to all of a sudden start to think we need to apply all of these things right away. Um, but the reality is I don't think we need to start doing all of these things right away. We don't need to totally change everything in a moment. Um, my encouragement to you is to be doing one or two things differently, maybe adjusting this or adjusting that. And, and even down the road, you may be in a season where you remember something that was spoken of in one of these podcasts and so you can re-listen to it and then really start to apply that. Uh, there's a really helpful book in the area of spiritual disciplines, and it's um, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Again, it's not a super easy read. It's a little bit more challenging of a read. Um, but one of the things that he says, he's talking about Matthew 11, 29 to 30, where Jesus says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And um, 
And he says this about that in a chapter that is called The Secret of the Easy Yoke. He says, The words of Jesus quoted above from Matthew 11 present an alternative to the desolation of life lived apart from God. Yet, in all honesty, most Christians probably find both Jesus' statement and its reiteration by the author of 1 John 5.3 to be more about an expression of hope or even a mere wish than a statement about the substance of their lives. He goes on to say, All our lack of understanding doesn't cancel his offer of an easy yoke and a light burden in which our souls can find rest. That offer, like his call to follow him, is clearly made us is clearly made to us here and now in the midst of this life where we labor and bear impossible burdens and cry out for rest. It's true. It's real. We only have to grasp the secret of entering in the easy yoke. Essentially, he's saying that, um, that we hear about this, uh, this, this type of life. Uh, Jesus offers us this type of life. In John 10, he says, you'd have life to the fullest. And, and oftentimes we think, how do I live that? What do I do? And, and we think that it's by our efforts. We think that it's by trying and trying and working and, and, and striving that we earn that. But no, it's actually about receiving from Christ, abiding in him, like I said at the beginning, and, and, and posturing ourselves to grow. Posturing ourselves to grow. Uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to you hearing from our conversation today is we talk about mercy as a spiritual discipline, receiving or not getting what we deserve uh, and receiving what we don't deserve from God as, a, as an actual posture from which to live. And because uh, the reality is, I think we are often way too hard on ourselves. And, and my hope today is that in the midst of whatever you're facing, in the midst of however you're grappling with or dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, again, whether you're way busier than you were before or whether you, are, um, you have so much free time now, my hope and prayer is that you hear the invitation of Jesus. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That's not just an ideal. It's not just something that we have to strive for or enter. It's something we just need to receive, something we just need to receive and live out of. And so my hope is that as we practice these spiritual disciplines, it be from a posture of receiving from him. And that as we do that, we grow into the people that Christ is, is calling us to be. And so with that, here's my interview with Stephen. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? Good, yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's great to have this opportunity to chat today. Uh, what a beautiful room you're in. Where are you? I'm in the sanctuary of our, our church here. Um, cool. It's actually the best spot for Wi-Fi, so thus I'm in the sanctuary. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's cool. And for those who don't know, Stephen's church is very much in the country. You're uh, a little ways away from, from most places with great Wi-Fi, I'm sure. <laughs> 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 yeah, we're, we're just a little rural church. It's a Wiesenthal Baptist Church. It was established in 1908 wow. from a group of settlers who uh, came here in 1897. So, um, yeah, cool. we've been around and, um, yeah, we're still in the middle of the country. So, yeah, that's nice. That is awesome. That is very cool. Um, yeah, so before we hop into uh, our conversations today, just why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are, your family and uh, yeah, the church. Yeah, you've, you've already introduced us a little bit to your church, but your role there and kind of how, yeah, and it's something you're passionate about. Oh, <clears throat> uh, well, I'm the, I guess the lead pastor here at Wiesenthal Baptist. Um, we have an associate pastor who's part-time and um, I guess that's my kind of official role here. And I have a family with uh, three young kids, a six-year-old, a four-year-old and uh, just about two-year-old. So life is pretty, uh, pretty full for us. And we've been out here for about a year and a half. Um, so kind of done ministry in a few different locations with inner city stuff, 
actually at McKernan Baptist for a bit and uh, out at a camps and uh, then kind of landed here after finishing my MDiv. And uh, yeah, I'm just really enjoying being out here. That's cool. Yeah. And what's, yeah, what's one thing you're really passionate about? Just again, a little taste of who you are. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, the good Sunday school answer would be like, I'm really passionate about Jesus, but, um, and, and there's some, <laughs> and there's, uh, and there's definitely truth to that. Um, but how would I, would you specify it a little bit more? Um, I'm really passionate about, uh, people experiencing, um, Jesus Christ in their own lives. That's kind of where I really feel like my calling is and why I'm a lead pastor is, uh, I just love helping people, um, grow in their faith with the Lord. And that's what I feel called to do. And it's a really good setting to do it. Hmm, totally. Yeah. Just, yeah. uh, for those that are listening and or watching, it's, it's such an honor to have Steven on here. I, Steven is such an amazing man and a real profound thinker. He's one of those guys that, uh, just thinks very deeply. And so as I was thinking of people that I wanted to interview and wanted to just have some conversations with. He was one of the first people that came to my mind just because of his thoughtfulness and his desire to, like he just said, see people experience Jesus. And uh, one of the amazing things about Stephen is uh, it's hard to have a, a long conversation with him without it going deep. <laughs> and so I'm sure, we'll, I'm sure you, you can all uh, brace yourselves for a bit of a deeper conversation today, even just now between the two of us. But yeah, it just really, it's great to have you on Stephen. And uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about mercy and specifically the, the practical discipline of praying the Psalms. And and um, before we get into that, I think, though, as I've been asking the people that I've been interviewing, I would love to hear your thoughts on what do you feel is something that God is up to in the midst of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Um, first off, in culture at large, and then second off, in yourself, maybe in your family or your congregation. Hmm. Well, it's a good question. Well, uh, as I was thinking about that question, um, one of the neat things about being out here um, is that we are old church. So this isn't our first pandemic. Um, the, we actually shut our doors a little bit during the Spanish flu. Uh, either wow. I was, can't remember if it was 1918 or 1919. Yeah. But yeah, people in the community uh, had actually died because of either the Spanish flu or polio. I know that. So there's been some significant things that have happened throughout history. So it's kind of neat being in a church that has that kind of history. And so it's in some senses, this is new for us, but in some senses, it's actually kind of not the first time for the church. Yeah. yeah crazy. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it, it's neat because I think it, it's helping us as a church um, start to pay attention to other things. So often we put everything in, in our church ministry around that Sunday morning service. I mean, we, we're not even streaming Sunday morning services right now. So it really makes us have to think about the community aspect of what it means to be a church outside the walls on Sunday morning, yeah. which is, I think, a good question for us to be asking as a church. Mm -hmm. Totally. And how, yeah. have you, how have you answered that? Like, what kind of things have you guys tried out? I'm just curious. Well, to be honest, like we're, we're a small church and like, like we don't really do programs out here. So we basically just like, Hey, don't forget to call your fellow church members. Is basically what we've done. <laughs> like we haven't really done anything profound, I would say, but like, we just, 
uh, it just shifts the focus to being like, oh yeah, okay, we got to be intentional about uh, those relationships that we have. I mean, that's actually one of the strengths we have as a church is the congregation we have does have relationships with each other and good relationships. Like there's some wonderful Sunday mornings where I like, I go to the back of the church to shake hands with those who are leaving and no one leaves the church for like the next five minutes. And I'm like, okay, I better just go back into the church. Is everyone talking to each other? Right. It, 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 it's good. Um, and so it's just, okay, what does that mean to continue those relationships in this time? And there's, I think that there's a potential that those relationships can actually go deeper because it's in times of crisis that we often really create our biggest bonds of friendship. And so I think it, there's a potential that this will create some really deep bonds of friendship within our community and churches. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, if you're asking what the ramifications of COVID-19 is, is it, it's, it kind of just amplifies everything. So if there's things as a church we're not good at, it's going to amplify those things. And if there's things that we're really good at at a church, it's going to amplify those things. So if there's some relationships that we're not very good at, and these people have kind of gone on the wayside, my guess is unless we're being really intentional right now, that's only going to get amplified. So I think right now, as maybe any time, but now more particularly, we have to focus on what does it mean to be intentional about our relationships? Totally. Yeah, and it's really, it's like, it's weird because it's almost starting to feel normal, right? Like we've been in this isolation yeah. now for over a month, which is crazy. And But yeah, I agree. I think there's this sense of um, of depth that people are being invited into. You know, kind of the superfluous, fluffy stuff is being shown that it's just not worth the time. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the temptations too, though, of, of it as it keeps increasing, like as the time keeps going, and we, we don't know how long this is going to be, but I think one of the temptations is that um, we might get bored and we might start, you know, those of us that might've had a lot of like good intentions at first by like yep. month one, maybe even month two, it might be really hard to, to keep that up. Um, and so, yeah, what would you say to somebody who's, um, yeah, maybe starting to feel like bored or like, um, you know, just looking for like a spark or something they want to, they want to, um, you know, just kind of, I don't know how to put it. Like, what, what would you say to someone who's looking yeah, just for a spark or looking for, for some just invitation to go deeper in this time when the temptation is to just kind of persevere and make it through. Yeah. Well, well boredom breeds creativity. Mm. Like there was, I was talking uh, a while ago with uh, some teachers and I guess there's been some studies done about how if kids aren't bored enough when they're children, mm. they don't develop the creative skills um, that they need for later in life. Wow. So actually boredom can be a catalyst to good creativity. Hmm. And so if, if we're in a time of boredom right now, there's actually, it's basically setting the stage for something potentially really creative if we let it, right? If we, if we, if we choose to overcome whatever that boredom is. That's good. Um, That's good. So, so in some senses, it's an, it's an opportunity. It doesn't feel like an opportunity. Whenever you're bored and you're down, it's like, oh, man, this, <laughs> the, the, right? this doesn't feel like an opportunity. But yeah. it's often those kind of spaces that force us to go, okay, who do I really want to be? Totally. And what would it take to do that? Totally. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's, it's good to hear kind of how you're processing through this because it's, 
everyone is it's cool because i've as i've asked this question to different interviewers everyone's had a different answer and, and it's been cool to hear how um just what god's inviting us into and and yeah i think again we don't want to minimize the suffering and the hurt and the pain that a lot of people are facing but at the same time i think we we do embrace that god may be up to something deeper and something that's new and so yeah le really leaning in into him in this season is important um and yeah but yeah one of the ways that that i think we're invited to do that is through practicing spiritual disciplines and that's the whole reason i started this podcast that's the whole reason that i i wanted to to get this going was because like i said it's easy you can either go one of two ways you can either kind of lean just persevere through the season just put your head down and watch lots of netflix and you know um just kind of numb yourself or you can really say i want to be intentional i want to to really grow in my walk with god and um and before we talk about the specific spiritual discipline of praying the psalms and uh just kind of some of the implications of how that impacts how we read the bible um i wanted to chat with you a little bit um <clears throat> about about spiritual disciplines in general and uh, I know there was, uh, as we were emailing and kind of planning this conversation, something that you had said was really important to spiritual disciplines is mercy. And um, first off, I just want to hear when you, just for, for those of us that, so we're all on the same page, when you hear the word mercy, what does that word mean, first off? And then second off, what does that have to do with spiritual disciplines? Gee. Well, I think that, I guess there's two ways you can think about it might be helpful to to make two definitions for grace and for mercy. Yeah. So mercy. Now, hopefully, I don't butcher this as I'm saying because, um, <laughs> but uh, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and mercy is getting something that you don't get deserve. Sorry, which one? You said mercy both times. Oh, sorry. Grace. Grace is uh, getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something that you do deserve. Yeah. Right. And uh, so that's kind of a basic definition of the difference between grace and mercy. And know what? I'm going to butcher this because in many senses, mercy is a gift in its own. And so in some senses, mercy is its own piece of grace. Um, and so I, the, the, I think the clearest way that we see that is just through Jesus Christ on dying on the cross for our sins and his forgiveness over us. And that it's nothing that we do, but it's just it's his forgiveness for us and that's the basic definition of mercy mm -hmm. and i think that's the core piece of actually our spiritual disciplines so the way i would talk about the discipline of mercy is that it's like the linchpin so um if you have like a wagon or some of those like small tires or small wheels that are on an axle often they have uh this like hole in the axle and there's this little pin uh, that's uh, you have a little pin that's holding the wheel on the axle. I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so you have this wheel on an axle, and there's a little pin, and that's called a linchpin, and it holds everything together. It's not huge, but it holds everything together. I think mercy operates in the exact same way. It holds all the spiritual disciplines, even though in some senses it can seem like a small thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason is is because when we look at the New Testament, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of people who are really good at spiritual disciplines. In fact, they're better at spiritual disciplines than I am. They're like <laughs> spiritual discipline bodybuilders, and who they are? They're the Pharisees. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're like they are awesome at spiritual disciplines. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay, 
but you, you don't have it quite right. You're missing one key piece. And the most obvious one is when, uh, when he talks about the Sabbath, right? They're like, Jesus, do you not care about the spiritual discipline of Sabbathing? He's like, no, I, I care about it. But, what, but for him, he goes, but the Sabbath is about mercy. See, what the Pharisees got wrong is, is that they were just really good at making um, a spiritual discipline of Sabbath, but they, the spiritual discipline didn't lead them into mercy. Mm-hmm. And because it didn't lead them into mercy, it was all off balance. Mm-hmm. The wheel had fallen off the axle because mm-hmm. they were missing mercy. Yeah. And so I think it's the same thing for us as we, we strive to follow the Lord is unless we're doing it in the spirit of mercy, that first it's by God's grace and mercy that we are able to do these things. And if that's not the central piece that our spiritual, di- uh, spiritual disciplines are actually a gift from God, yeah. everything starts falling apart. It becomes kind of egocentric. It becomes, we start trying to build ourselves rather than be built in Christ. Wow, that's so good. When I think of like, I don't remember what, I think it's in, one of the prophets um, where it's that I desire mercy, not sacrifice, right? Like God is basically calling out the Israelites for, for their spiritual disciplines because they're neglecting the poor. They don't care. They're not receiving it as a gift. Like they're just kind of one of the word, one of the kind of buzzwords that I think we use is just going through the motions. They're just doing the things that, you know, we should be doing as Christians or as followers of Jesus. But God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What a- yeah, you just read Isaiah 1. Isaiah yeah. 1 is like, oh, man. It's, uh, in fact, John Foreman does a song on Isaiah 1. Yeah. Um, Instead of a show. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that song. Like, that's, it's straight yeah. from Isaiah 1. And it's like, God is just sick of us trying to build um, our worship services, our, our spiritual life around, like, God, look how awesome and look at all the things that we're doing and look at me growing. It's like, that's not what I'm seeking. Yeah, I'm yeah. seeking your heart. And, um, and so when we try and build it, our spiritual disciplines can easily get off kilter. Yeah. And so the, I think the key to healthy spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. is always doing it in, always finding it in the spirit of mercy and practicing mm-hmm. a discipline of mercy upon ourselves. Mm. Right, like uh, I've been in a number of churches, and in every single church, anywhere I find Christians, I always find people beating themselves up over their mm. scripture reading, mm. and um, it, it starts to really frustrate me. Like, and and it's a tough balance because scripture reading is really important, yeah. but the the thing is, sometimes we've put it on us, like almost like on a pedestal. We've like made it into an idol, and it's causing things to become out of balance and we need to have some mercy on ourselves about our Bible reading. Mm -hmm. Because another way you could think about it is um, the printing press was invented in the 1500s. So basically personal Bibles that you can read on your own have been around for what, like 500 years. Mm -hmm. So that might seem like a long time, but Christianity has been around for 2000 years. Right. So if your definition of what being a good Christian is, is reading your Bible. Well, then the majority of Christians for the majority of history have not been very good Christians. (laughs) Wow.
That's so true. And so we sometimes like go like, well, and it's not to, and, I, and I'm not trying to diminish Bible reading because I, I do think it's really important. I mean, that's kind of why we're having this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. But we often do it in the wrong spirit. We do it because we're trying to accomplish something. We're, we just have to have mercy on. You know what? If you don't read your Bible like, um, like a pastor does, um, well, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't understand the Bible... Like I've known some people who like, but when I watch them live their lives, like so clearly God is using you, but they think they're horrible Christians because like they go to the Bible and they read it and they're like, man, this is really hard for me to understand. It just doesn't connect with me. It's like, well, just look at your life. It's, it's, it's working, but uh, it's, uh, we just beat ourselves up. And so have a little bird of mercy on ourselves about mm-hmm. our spiritual disciplines and our reading the Bible. Um, I just want to play out a metaphor that you mentioned earlier. You talked about spiritual bodybuilders and you were kind of referring to the Pharisees, but yeah. another spiritual bodybuilder that I see in the old Testament is David. Um, just somebody, again, mm. he gave himself to spiritual practices. And so really quickly, and then in, in the new Testament, David is referred to as the man after God's own heart. Um, yeah. so what, what would you say then is what makes David's pursuit of spiritual disciplines different from the Pharisees' pursuit of spiritual disciplines? I know that's, well, I know that's off the top of your head, but I, I just wanted to play out that metaphor a little bit. Well, it's true. I mean, and know what, maybe the, the clearest example of the difference between David and every other king is his meth- mess up with Bathsheba. Mm. And so, right, he... Um, he, he sees, he sees her bathing on the roof. He decides, I, I want her, he essentially rapes her. And, um, and then when it's found out, he has her husband killed. I mean, it's like, it's horrible. He's gone down his own path. Mm-hmm. And, um, what happens is the prophet Nathan comes in, he, he convicts him mm-hmm. and he has a choice there. Right. He is the king of the country. He draws the rules. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can either make this thing go away in his own way, or he can be completely humble himself before God. And he humbles himself. Yeah. And I think that creates the, the difference between, so the spirit in which he was doing the same thing as all those other kings and all the other people was in his the spirit of where he was coming from he came with the spirit of humbleness and i think maybe because we're talking about mercy i'll just say like that i think humbleness and mercy completely connect you can't totally you can't embrace mercy unless you are humble yeah absolutely yeah yeah and i wonder too if there's that sense of he just wanted to be a friend of god right? Where the Pharisees almost wanted to wear their spiritual disciplines as a badge, right? Like Jesus, when he calls out the Pharisees, he talks about how they practice. He, he says, basically, you practice your your spirituality in public, right? To, to look good, right? But then he says, woe yeah. to you, you know? Yeah. And, and again, I think he talked a lot about the heart, right? And the sense of, it's not, the disciplines, the practices are not just and end in and of themselves to check off a list, right? Like they're and one of the things that I've mentioned before in this podcast is they're they're a means to an end. Like they're, but they're also, as as you're saying today, I'm seeing not just a means to an end, but they're a response to a gift. 
So we've been yep. given the gift of mercy. And so we are able to practice these things in our life. It's not just yep. like we do these things to become like Christ. We do. It's almost like cyclical. It's like God gives us the gift of mercy so that we can practice these disciplines to become more like Christ and then receive more mercy. You know, it's cool. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, and that's fundamentally what we're talking about as Christianity. Christianity is yeah. fundamentally a gift. It's always a, like our action is always the second action. Absolutely. Right? It's yeah. God's move and then we move. But here's the thing is God is not content with it's just him. He always, he, he's bringing us into the story. Mm-hmm. And so when we move with him, those great things happen. And um, that's how all the spiritual disciplines work, whether it's mercy, whether it's scripture reading, whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, mm-hmm. every single one begins with God first, his action, and then us responding to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the difference is, is, if we're comparing ourselves to, to, to the Pharisees or this way to the Pharisees yeah. is that for the Pharisees, it was, it was primarily their action to make sure that they're appeasing the way, like yeah. essentially appeasing God. I mean, that's just basically the same as paganism, right? Paganism is, is trying to appease the gods. Yeah. And um, we don't need to, we don't need to do that when we're, when we're doing practicing spiritual disciplines, we don't need to appease god by our scripture reading we don't need to appease him by our prayer but what we do in many senses when we do that what we're doing is we're receiving his actually blessing on us yeah so what um you've already mentioned a few different kind of like overarching themes throughout the bible but do you have any specific scriptures that come to your mind as you think about um, mercy as a spiritual discipline or mercy as a gift that helps us walk it out Okay, well, actually, one of the, one of the psalms that, I, that has meant a lot to me and that I often connect to is Psalm 32. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a psalm of confession. Hmm. And um, I just think that's one of the key, it, it's a key piece to mercy. Because part of, part of it is, is if we're talking about it as a gift, part of it is you have to unwrap the gift. You have to accept it and you have to receive it. And that's where I think we talked about David. His, his humility allowed him to receive mercy. You don't receive mercy if you're proud um, because you always did it right. But when you humble yourself, you can, you can actually receive it. Mm-hmm. And so I go to, often go to Psalm 32. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just an, invita- it's an invitation to confess our sins to the Lord. And uh, when we have when we are completely honest in our spirit, uh, the Lord forgives us of our sins. Mm. Um, and so that's one of the Psalms that I, I often go to. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's cool with confession too, because um, confession is is really, like you'd said, it's all about humility. It's all about being ourselves before God and others, you know, and, and Paul warns us against like, um, against continuing to sin because we can confess. And so confession isn't this like, oh, I can keep sinning because I can just confess and be okay. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> but confession yeah. is like reality of our need for God and our, and our acknowledgement of our, of our failure of the things that we've dropped the ball in and then receiving his grace, receiving his mercy when we need it. Right. And, and I, and I'm sure confession is one of those spiritual disciplines that we'll do a whole podcast on in the future, just because it's so important. And, and I think we, 
yeah, like like even before we were talking, like in the evangelical church, we we've kind of pushed it away almost. And I don't know if that's just because of the Reformation and almost like trying, we don't want to seem too Catholic, you know, but I think yeah. confession is super important. And, and I know when we often do corporate prayer, we try to incorporate confession into it just because it's just, yeah, it's just so important to be having that posture before God. And yeah. <clears throat> well, it goes hand in hand with the Gospels. I mean, Jesus went around preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So repent. I mean, repent, repent is turn the other way. So confession and repentance are tied together, but they're, they're also slightly different because repentance is the act of, of turning the other direction and walking the other way. Mm-hmm. And confession is helping you get to the posture where you can turn the other way. It's hard to turn the other way if you don't know what you're turning away from. And confession is the place where we go, oh, yeah, Lord, uh, I just realized, man, I, I've been way too prideful lately. Or, man, I have been, uh, I've been really angry lately. It's, it's hard to know how to turn when you don't know what you're turning from. So confession great, creates the language in which we can learn to repent. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and I know one of the what, – what do you think is uh, – like – if we think about mercy kind of overarching, that's one way to think about it. But another way to think about mercy is more practically. So what, when you think about mercy as something that we practice as followers of Jesus, what does that look like for you? So if if we'd actually define mercy as a spiritual discipline, what would that look like? Well, I think part of that, so, so there's, there's two parts of, I think, practicing the spiritual discipline of mercy is, is one is accepting and one is giving. Yeah. And when I, and I think both parts are always important. I mean, we've essentially been talking about that. It's always this embrace and then doing right as we, um, so the first part is embracing it. And so how are you embracing God's mercy in your life? Mm. Um, and know what that might look different for different people. Once again, we've been talking about confession. What does it mean for you to confess your sins to the Lord and receive his mercy? Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that's part of your uh, personal life. Perhaps you have um, a spiritual director or you have a mentor or uh, somebody like that that's in your life that you can, as you walk with them, you start to notice these things and then you confess them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, creating places in our life where we can um, really become aware of ourselves and um, and God's mercy uh, in our, with ourselves. So I'd say that's the confession part, the accepting part. And then the receiving part is then as we have received mercy is to give it. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I think I, I, I misspoke. I'm like thinking back. I'm like, I think I just like, <laughs> no <worries. laughs> sorry, I, I haven't had any coffee this morning. So that's, that's the, that's the issue. Um, maybe I should have some mercy on myself. But uh, uh, that was uh, that was your confession for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, but it's it's after we have received, it's about giving it out, and so um, and we see this within the Gospels. The how we love the Lord is always tied to how we love our neighbor. Yeah. And so then, what does that mean in your life? Now, I have a family, and so one of the primary ways where I can dish out mercy is in my family life. Um, if I, if I, once again, if I confess right now, I'm not always good at giving out mercy in my household. 
Um, but if, if I am, here's the thing is you can't really give out mercy unless you have received mercy. Yeah. Um, and, and the way you give out mercy is a, is a, a good sign of how you are receiving it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think it's important that in our, uh, yeah, find ways that you can be merciful to your family, to your friends. I mean, I'm a pastor, which means like one of my occupation, like one of my jobs is to be merciful to people. Um, so, th- so that's kind of the added benefit of just my occupation, but uh, yeah, find ways that you can be merciful or the person who cuts you off on the way to work and learning to have a practice of giving forgiveness. Because this is all part of the Lord's Prayer, right? The, um, like, forgive, forgive my debts as I forgive those who have debted against me. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it all goes together. Absolutely. Man, that's so good. And, and I think it's really important to be thinking about spiritual practices in that way, just because it's so, yeah, it's so easy to, um, it's so easy to just think it's about our internal life and it is, but it's also about how it impacts the way that we interact with people. Um, and yeah, it's just huge. Um, so yeah. Did you want to say anything more about mercy before we hop into praying the Psalms or? <laughs> no, I, I think that's about it. I just, um, and, and maybe I think what it's, uh, like particularly in this, the topic of spiritual disciplines, I just think it's just such a key piece because uh, so often I just see people practicing spiritual disciplines and it ends up becoming something that's more of a burden mm-hmm. on their life. And, um, or when we like the same thing. So sometimes like with scripture reading, sometimes we have, we create different disciplines with our scripture reading. Like we go, Hey, I want to read the Bible in a year, which is good. Um, but then you're going and you miss a few days and we get really discouraged. Like, ah, I didn't, I didn't get to the goal. Well, have a little bit of mercy on yourself and go, okay, you know what? That was never the actual goal of reading the scriptures was to actually get the plan done. The goal of the scriptures is always to connect with the Lord. And what you missed a few days will connect with the Lord by having a little bit of mercy, receive his mercy and continue on. Um, and so I think when we have mercy in ourselves, we, the, we have, we can create a lot more longevity if we're talking about yeah longevity in our spiritual disciplines totally that yeah that's so good yeah (laughs) um so yeah let's let's apply this a little bit to the discipline of praying through the psalms um i know for myself in this season i would say that's probably been the most the, the primary practice that i've been trying to do um is is praying the psalms i think we're in a season of um, just un, it's unprecedented what what's happening right now in the world and in the church. And um, the amazing thing about the Psalms is that it's um, it's mostly a book of prayers. It's mostly a book of um, different types of prayers. There's prayers of praise. There's prayers of lament, which is just being honest and and sad before God. There's prayers of judgment where they literally pray that God would smite their enemies. Um, there's there's prayers of confession, like you'd said. Um, there's yeah. prayers. There's prayers that are almost like teaching prayers. Um, yeah. There's there's prayers of like uh, desire, you know, like just pure un pure just devotion and desire of Jesus or yeah. of God. Um, just it 
the book is amazing and it gives language and it does a lot of things. But before we talk specifically about how we pray the Psalms, what, uh, let's just talk about Psalms, the book for a little bit. Like what, what's your basic understanding of the book? Um, and, and what kind of, as you think about the Psalms in general, what are some things that come to your heart or stand out to you? Well, it's, so the Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible or the, the worship hymnal for Israel. That's what some people talk about it as. And um, I think what's really neat about it is like, there's this kind of interesting, it, this is God's words. This is God's word for us. And yet when you read them, they're like words of crying out to God. And so I think it's just really neat when you read the Psalms because it's, it's God teaching us how to pray to him. Mm-hmm. And um, Dietrich, Bonner, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a really interesting way of thinking about the Psalms. And he goes like, hey, why are we allowed to pray the Psalms? It's like, this is originally Israel's book. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that we can pray the Psalms that, that are in the Bible? And the way he comes about it, he goes, it's because Jesus has prayed them first. Mm. Jesus prays through the Psalms. This is God's word. He prays the Psalms first. And through Jesus Christ, we all have access to the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a really kind of neat way to think about them. Particularly, there's some Psalms that are just so Christ-centered or mm-hmm. like, um, I think it's Psalm 28, where it's like, when you're reading Psalm 28 and the crucifixion at the same time, you just see all these like similarities and you're like, wow, it's almost like when Jesus yeah. was dying on the cross. He was just reading out the Psalms. And um, I think it's neat to think about the Psalms as like, this is Jesus is prayers and he's teaching us to pray in the same way on the Lord's Lord's prayer. He teaches us to pray, pray like this. Well, the book of Psalms in many ways is the same thing. It's, it's, it's learning learning how to pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing too, how it, it, um, it teaches in, it teaches while it's doing that, which is incredible. Like I think of Psalm 119, which is essentially, you know, it's a, a lot of verses about how great the Bible is, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and it gives you like, it, it almost teaches you to, to pray in a way that um, I think, yeah, it's really centered around who God is and centered around the truth and the reality of who he is, but is also very um, in touch with, you know, real raw emotion. You know, the yeah. Psalms gives us permission to pray in an emotional way, in a way that, you know, is, yeah. you know, there's Psalms that are, the Psalmist is, whether it's David or whoever is like, flat out angry at god right there's psalms yep. where you know the uh the psalmist there's a, there's even psalms that don't necessarily resolve or have a happy ending like they start out with like my day is going horrible all my enemies want to kill me god why are you allowing this to happen and then that's like that's it and then well, other... well, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> yeah that's psalm 88 like the darkest yeah. song in the bible or the it's yeah. psalm 88 it ends with like the conclusion of the psalm is darkness is my closest friend yeah like that's the conclusion right and and like you said it's god's teaching us and go you can pray like that you can lament and go man like lord where are you i love how the the psalmist go ask god where are you this is god teaching us to pray and he's saying 
teaching us to go, Lord, where are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's something, I think there's something beautiful. Out. But I think there's also, um, so the way it ends is important too. So there's these psalms of lament, like you said, where they just like lay it all out and you're like, wow, that's perhaps even more raw than I thought I was at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it ends with Psalm 150 and it's this crescendo of praise. Yeah. And the, I forget how many is, is it the five, six cha- uh, um, chapters right before that all begin and end with praise the Lord. So it's like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then you get to Psalm 150 and it's just like excessive praising of the Lord. And like, and I mean excessive because like you read it and if you, if you're thinking about it, it's just like after a while it just becomes just so noisy. The praising of the Lord is like, man, how can, it's just intense. And I think that's how, what the Psalms is bringing us. It brings us into this journey where we lay out our hearts on the Lord. He's teaching us. There's all these aspects, but then it crescendos and ends with, uh, uh, with praising the Lord. Mm, that's so good. What's your, do you have a favorite Psalm? I'm just curious. Um, you know what? My, probably my favorite Psalm. No, it's funny. I want to make sure that I get the, the number right. Mm-hmm. So 117. No, it's 127, I think. Mm. Yeah, 127 is my favorite song. Although really only half of it I understand. But uh, <laughs> 127. Here, I'll, yeah, I'll read it out. It's short for you. It's, awesome. it's short. Okay, so, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Mm. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It's like, this is like mercy written all over. We were just talking about mercy. It's like, just receive my mercy. Stop working so hard. (laughs) So good. The last half, which like confuses me, although I kind of understand it now that I have children, says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks wow. to his enemies in the gate. Wow. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think I'm the stereotype with Psalms. My favorite Psalm is Psalm 23. I just, again, hey. mercy is all over that Psalm. Like he makes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul, right? He leads me in passive righteousness even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil it's just so beautiful the the way that the psalms first off allow us again they allow us to express where we're at before god but they also keep um how do i put this they uh they express the reality of who god is in the midst of what we're facing right like they keep the psalms keep god as god you know uh, and I think that's one of the one of the things that is really important as we uh, as we pray is is who are we praying to? Like, are we actually praying to God? And I think one of the things that the Psalms does is it assures us like we're praying to God. Like this is who God is as revealed as He's revealed Himself. Um, just pretty, yeah. It's powerful. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what? Uh, yeah. What do you think about? Um, like why, why then for, I've given a few reasons for myself, but why do you think praying the Psalms is so important? Well, it, it, 
I think when we praise the, pray the Psalms, it's essentially infusing scripture right into our prayer life. And I mean, like what better way to pray is than to be it for it to be completely filled in the scriptures. So that's one of the practical things that I have, I've done with my, um, um, prayer. Yeah. Prayer time is I've sometimes journaled and actually I learned this for those of you who, um, are from familiar with camp Caroline. There was a, a prayer lady there, Pam. Mm. Do you, do you remember Pam from, uh, camp mm. Caroline? Definitely. Uh, she, she taught me to pray this way. And, uh, <laughs> What she does and what, what I've done and what I've, I, I need to get back into it. I've been doing it. I've, I've lapsed for a little while. But um, after you read a psalm, um, write it out, but personalized for you. Hmm. And so in this way, you are, you're reading straight from scripture, but it's like directed straight at you. You, you take it and you yeah, personalize it. So if you'd like, I could read um, some of it. So this is a combination of Psalm 35 and Psalm 32. It says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend against my family and mine. Fight against those who fight against us. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for our help. Draw spear and close the way against our pursuers. Say to our souls, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after our lives. Let those who devise evil against us be turned back and disappointed. Mm. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for us. Without cause they dug a pit for our life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that they hid ensnare him. Let him fall into his destruction. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exalting your salvation. We shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor needy from him who robs him. Lord, may my family acknowledge our sin to you and not cover our iniquities. May we say, I confess our sins to you, O Lord, and you have forgiven the iniquity of our sin. Blessed is he who the Lord counts no iniquity and who, who's honest in his spirit. Instruct us and teach us in the way that we should go. Counsel us with your eye upon us. Lord, may you be our hiding place and preserve us from trouble. Although trouble may surround us, may we not fear. For you are our guide and an ever-present help in trouble. Mm, wow. Like, yeah. basically, I just took the Psalms and just inserted our names mm -hmm. and but i think it's neat because it helps us in our it gives us something because sometimes we don't know how to pray mm -hmm. and it gives us words to help us pray mm -hmm. um but the other neat thing is it helps us in our scripture reading because sometimes as we read scripture we go like sometimes it just can be very difficult and so it's a way that we can dive deeper into uh our scripture reading Mm, totally. Yeah, I think it, it really helps to um, I think the thing that, that really helps me when I read the Psalms too in, in in addition to that is it it actually like stirs something inside of me 
you know, as I, especially as I read Psalms like Psalm 27, you know, where David says, um, like, uh, my heart and flesh cry out for you, oh God. You know, you read Psalms like uh, the, the one that better is one day that popular worship song is based on. Yeah, yeah. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Like they, they actually like stir up, you know, you, you read these prayers and you're like, man, I just, I want that type of passion. I want that type of desire for God, you know, like taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's just incredible invitation to, um, yeah, to really go deep in our, in our walk and in our prayer life. And, and yeah, I think it just gives us, I don't know, it, it's almost like, um, how do you put it? It's almost like the, the Psalms, um, yeah, it's like they they draw us. They they kind of they kind of for not force us, but they it all. It's almost like looking into I don't know how to put it. Like looking into a mirror and seeing like this is what I want. This is this is who I want to be. Like I want to be this type this this passion this type of of life. A lot of them, um, and I know. Uh, yeah, and, and so that's one way to pray the Psalms. This I love that you talked about writing them down, uh, personalizing them, but what are some other ways that we can pray the Psalms? Um, one of the ways that I've been enjoying a lot lately is by listening to them. Mm. And uh, I didn't realize how, how, how this, I don't know why it hits me differently. If It'd be worthwhile if uh, to pay, to go to the Bible Project. The Bible Project has a video and a podcast on listening, the importance of listening to scripture, cool. right? Like if we, we, we talked about how like the printing press wasn't invented until the 1500s. Mm-hmm. So for the majority of church history, people yeah. listened to the Bible and didn't just read it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's something different about that, the way that you're doing when you listen to it than just simply read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think part of it is it, it forces us to, to actually listen because when we read, there's a difference between reading and listening. Yeah. And sometimes we just read and there's the difference between just reading and listening, reading. And so sometimes when you just are forced to not read, but just hear the words, it forces you to listen. And I think it helps us to listen with our hearts a little bit more. Um, and so there's um, kind of two ways that I kind of do this. Um, one is when I'm doing the dishes, mm. um, I, I some, uh, well, I listen to different things, but this actually doing dishes has become a very sacred time for me in my household. And, um, cause my kids are typically in bed at that point, And it's like the, the one time of the day that I have like to myself. And so, <laughs> um, so it's just this, yeah, it's a wonderful time. And it's kind of, uh, it's, an, it, it's an activity that you don't really have to think super hard about when you're doing dishes. Yeah. Anyhow, um, it, so what I do is I, I often listen to scripture during, during it. So sometimes it's the Psalms, sometimes it's not the Psalms. But it's amazing when it, you just let it kind of wash over you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes you're paying attention really hard and sometimes you're not really paying attention hard. But even when you're not paying attention to heart, it's amazing how many times something will just like, poof, like, what? That's in the scriptures. And you have to, uh, have to like pause it and like go back and be like, wait, what did, what, what just, did, what did it just say? Um, so there's something I think wonderful about listening. The other thing I do is I have, I listen to the podcast, um, The Daily Liturgy. It's mm-hmm. by a church down in the States and 
basically they they read scripture and then they write prayers mm. out of scripture and so it's like prayer basically yeah, it's prayer and scripture it's almost double scripture That's cool. and it's funny because my my son has for some reason really gravitated to it and so in the morning he he often asks to play this podcast and so we just listen it's 15 minutes long and we just listen to this scripture and this prayer and it's often revolves around the psalms and uh that's been another significant way of just listening and by listening helping it to just kind of go deeper within me that's cool that's very cool yeah and i i think another way that i i pray the psalms often is i'll uh, and I mentioned this in my podcast with my brother, but taking the time to actually like write down what, what does this say about God? What does this say about his promises? And then kind of praying out of that. So another Psalm that I love, I don't, I don't know the reference off the top of my head, but there's a, a line that I often think of is in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And yeah. so I'll write down, you know, who is God fullness of joy pleasures forevermore and then my prayer is god i want to experience the fullness of your joy. like i want to know the depth of the pleasures that you have have for me right like so that's another way and even you can even do that with a lament like um, yeah. oh oh god where are you my heart or my uh, like that question of oh god where are you um you could write down there are seasons where we feel like god is far and and we but that gives language to our prayers lord you know, help us to, to know your presence, even in the darkest valleys, that sort of thing, you know, so that's yeah. another way, another way that I pray the Psalms. Um, any other, any other ways we think you think we can pray them? This one's more of a kind of a scholarly way. So I don't know how hey, that's good. I think for some people it will be meaningful is, is one, one way is you, um, you get, put it into like a word document or something where you can get rid of all the headings and get rid of all the verses and just put it all in words. And even you can take away like the spacing and everything and then just let it. And what it does is it forces you to have to think about how it's structured and then read through the Psalm and try and figure out what the structure of it is, is because sometimes as you're reading it, like, if you read Psalm one, for instance, there's the, at the beginning and the end, there's all these play on words of like, there's talks about sitting at the beginning, it talks sitting at the end. And you start to realize that there's all these kind of different nuances within the Psalm. So that's something that I've uh, often enjoyed is kind of forcing myself, my brain to work really hard because like sometimes our, the, the people who have written our Bibles it's, it's good. It's really helpful. They put these like, headings which yeah. are helpful for us in finding things and understanding but sometimes we just like let them do all the work we don't let our brains do the work and so you can just take those things away and it forces you to think about the psalm perhaps in new ways that you would have never noticed noticed before totally yeah i know another one for me as a musician is just to sing the psalms sometimes i'll just sit there with my guitar or sit at the piano and literally just like sing them it could be word for word it could be um whatever idea comes out of it so i did it with psalm 63 that my um earnestly i seek you psalm 63 is that whole as the deer pants for streams of water yeah. so all pants for you oh god right 
So that whole sense of like, Lord, give me desire for you as the deer pants for water. Like that sort of thing, just singing it out, right? It almost like, yeah. it, it just infuses worship and prayer together and scripture, all three just come right together when you practice that. Um, this is fun. Is there another way that you think we can engage with the Psalms? I like this kind of back and forth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it is. I, I like it too, because I'm, I'm thinking of your bringing ideas to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I would say, maybe just in terms of spiritual discipline of, of reading scripture, um, but this is, I think, particularly important in the Psalms, mm-hmm. is there's, you need both quantity and quality. Mm. And so it's really good, hard to have good quality scripture reading when you don't have the quantity. Mm. And there's no point in having a quantity of scripture reading unless there's quality to it. Totally. And so you need both. And sometimes it's hard because like my personal, when I'm reading it, this is kind of why I like listening to it because when I'm reading it, I can really get fixated on like a specific verse, Mm -hmm. which is good. It creates some really good quality reading, but unless you're reading it in a larger context and you read a whole bunch of Psalms, sometimes it can be hard to understand what the Psalm is saying. Mm -hmm. Like, cause right. Sometimes you, you hear us, you read a Psalm and you're like, wow, that seems either really harsh or it seems like that really doesn't connect with me. Like if I'm going through a really hard time and I'm reading a really joyful Psalm, you're like, man, I don't know if the Psalms are right for me. Well, you just need to read more of the Psalms and you'll realize what you're going through is actually also in the Psalms. And so there's an important part of learning to do, I think quantity and quality. And so finding times where you like really take a Psalm and, figure out what it's saying, but also times where you're like, no, I'm just going to read like three Psalms right now and I'm not going to think super hard on them. I'm just going to let the words, yeah, speak to me. That's so good. And yeah, it's just so easy to kind of like check out as you're reading, right? Especially if it's a longer chunk, you just kind of, it's easy to just let your mind wander and go somewhere else. And so I think, yeah, it's really important to, to focus in and just, and I think too, like when we are reading for quality or quantity, either way, just taking time to invite Holy Spirit into that time, you know, yeah. Holy Spirit, guide me as I pray, guide me as I read. And, um, and then trusting that the Holy Spirit's actually doing that is the next important thing. So if you're reading through a Psalm, like maybe it is Psalm 23, let's just go there. Cause I think most people are listening probably are very familiar with it. Maybe yeah. you're reading Psalm and for some reason, you know, the passage in it, like uh, he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies, just sticks out to you. Maybe God wants you to pray into that for some reason. Maybe maybe there's a, a sense of like communion with someone you need to reconcile with that God wants you to focus in on, right? Like this is the sort of thing that can happen as we, as we look for both quality and quantity, but also in, invite Holy Spirit to, to minister while we read and while we pray. Um, the, uh, the other one that came to my mind while while you were talking and if anyone's offended by this they probably stopped listening already but i think um for me i found so helpful just because because i've been a believer m- pretty much my entire life and i've been reading the bible pretty much my entire life i found that like the new international version english standard version get a little familiar at times and so i found it really helpful to read the message read the passion translation read some of these different translations that are not necessarily the ones you're used to, just because it, it kind of gives a new angle on, on some of the Psalms. Like, I don't know about you, but I found like Eugene Peterson's paraphrases of some of the Psalms just 
it helps bring new kind of depth to them if if that makes sense like again i don't yeah <laughs> i don't i don't read them as a primary translation but i think it's really helpful especially when you're reading prayerfully to be engaging with uh with different translations yeah no the people give the message a hard time but like really it is is absolutely brilliant what he's doing and um I think people give him a hard time because they're just jealous that he's so awesome at interpreting. <laughs> and um, like, for sure. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, uh, it's a, it, for sure. It's a paraphrase, but in the same way that you would read a commentary. Right. Um, but it's like basically a super accessible commentary that is tied straight to the text. Like, I mean, of course it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. There's another, uh, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, there's actually a Jewish scholar who's written, who's done the same thing uh, as Eugene Peterson, except he did it the opposite version. He like, he made it more like scholarly and as like close to the, or the Hebrew as you can make it. Wow. And um, so I like reading his because like, like you said, like the message start, the, he brings out certain words that you're like, man, that I didn't, I didn't see that in the first one. So you go, it, it, it forces you to go back and be like, okay, so what, what is actually going on here? Well, in the same way he does the same thing, but there's a more scholarly way. And I'm like, wait, now I have to like, go look up, okay, what these words and why, and, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be, as a musician, again, I'd be remiss to not mention, there's a lot of amazing musicians and worship leaders <laughs> and pastors that have actually released albums that are basically the Psalms word for word or slight interpretations um, of them. I know Shane and Shane has an album called Psalms and I think they have two volumes and literally the song titles are just the number, right? Like 18, 23, 42, yeah. or whatever, right? So that that's another, if you're a musical person, you connect with God through music. I, I encourage you to look for Shane and Shane. I know there's a few other artists that have done that. I think Sandra McCracken has done that. Um, I think there's a few other ones I can't think of off the top of my head, but just Google it and you'll find it. It's pretty easy. Um, yeah. Any other really practical ways of praying the Psalms that come to your mind as we've been kind of popcorning a bit? <laughs> I think we've, we've done a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. I think the other thing is, is um, I know in this season, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this as prescriptive, but one of the things that I, I've been trying to do is just read a Psalm a day. Um, and going in order so it's not like i'm choosing picking and choosing what's being read but just taking time each day to to pray through one of the psalms in different ways like i don't there's not a formula for me it's different ways i try to engage with them but i think it's yeah. really important to to almost like and my my hope as i'm trying to kind of get into a rhythm again um in this new reality is to actually start my day in the psalms before i even pick up my phone um read a psalm just get get my heart connected to God in the morning. Um, but yeah, any other, any last, last thoughts before we wrap up? Well, I think, I think what you're saying is actually really critical to this whole thing of spiritual disciplines is you have to understand there's different seasons in your life and there's going to be different seasons in which you do certain things with your spiritual disciplines. There might be certain times you're like, man, I am going to like just dive super deep into this one area and I'm just, this is something that I need right now. And that there might, that season might end. And mm -hmm. so like, you might be right now being like a Psalm a day is critical for me. And I'm just I like, this is so good. There might come a season where you're like, you know what? I, I'm actually going to shift to something, 
something different. Totally. And like, sometimes we just get so overworked about like, I don't know, creating our expectations. Once again, just have a little bit of mercy for yourself and be like, no, if right now, right. If, if right now reading a Psalm every day, isn't, like isn't working out for you like don't sweat that have a little bit of mercy for yourself but know what that maybe you're in a season right now you're like man i'm actually just really hungering and craving that and what that might just be a really easy and practical way for me to connect my scripture life and my prayer life together Mm -hmm. um yeah cool um so you may have already said this so this may just be a repeat of something you've already said but what one of the things we're trying to do each episode is give people one, we've given people a lot of different things to think about, but if you could say what's one thing that each person could do practically in response to what we've talked about today. Well, originally what I was going to say, see, I'm going to, I'm going to break the rules by saying two things. Um, uh, Originally what I was going to say is I was going to encourage people to really like write out their song, like write out the Psalms and put in their own names in the Psalms. Um, Cause I found that to be really fruitful, particularly yeah, like I, in certain times where I've been going through difficulties, like the words are there already for me. Mm-hmm. And that I found that incredibly helpful in teaching me how to pray. But as we were talking, I'm just like, you know what? The thing that's on my heart right now to encourage people, if they're going to do something practically, mm-hmm. is to listen to the Psalms. Cool. And um, yeah, that's been something that's been really meaningful for me lately is to, to actually listen to scripture, not just read it. Yeah. Oh, it's so so that's, good. My, that's my thing. Cool. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to chat with me today. And uh, yeah, I really hope that those of you who've, who've made it through <laughs> are blessed. And I'm sure that you, uh, yeah, I, and, and know, again, it's a journey. And, and I think it's really following the invitation of the Holy Spirit, right? And so how is the Holy Spirit inviting you to engage deeper with the Psalms? I think that's the important thing to be thinking about. But yeah, thank you so much, Stephen. Bless you, bless your family, bless your church. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Donovan. Well, friends, I hope that you were really blessed by that interview with Stephen. What an amazing guy, what an amazing heart. Um, I hope and pray that as you hear this and as you reflect on the Psalms, that they would become a huge part of your prayer life. And I do want to encourage you, write out, like Stephen said, take some time to write out a psalm. I think it'll really help you. I think it will really uh, help you grow, strengthen you, and, uh, and again, give you language in connecting with God that you may not have had before. Thank you, friends. Be blessed, and we'll chat again soon.